Are you struggling to find your purpose in life? Do you feel like something is missing and you need some guidance? Do you often feel unfulfilled with what you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis? Well, I'm here to tell you, you don't have to feel that way anymore. I'm here to help you through your journey in life to gain clarity, find purpose, and passion. My name is Jose Miguel Longo. I'm a gay Hispanic, a husband, dog daddy, advocate for social justice, and DEI ally for all LGBTQ+, a career and life coach and millennial born in 1983. I have spent my time since the age of 14 working my way around the world of work. I know my God-given talents are to help those around me to gain clarity in their lives while finding their passion and purpose. For the last decade, I've spent my time coaching college students and alums from all three generations, X, Y, and Z, and designing their career stories and mapping what they want to do in their lives. Whether it's gaining clarity in who you are and what you're meant to do, learning to build a resume or write a cover letter, holding you accountable and building your career journey, or designing your life, the podcast Coaching for Millennials is a how-to guide for all things career, life, and a sprinkle of everything in between. It is an all-inclusive space for meaningful conversations on topics happening in our world right now. It is a space for people to go on a holistic journey in uncovering their passion and purpose. I'm here for all generations, no matter what you identify as. If you're seeking to transition from a career industry or job to another, or ready to transform your life completely, I got you, boo. Whatever the fantasy you're trying to create, let me make it happen. If you're ready to start the journey to explore your passion and purpose, get focused on gaining clarity to transform you to a place that will fuel you, inspire you, and sprinkle some joy and laughter in between, it's time to dive into Coaching for Millennials. What's going on, Chit Chatters? Welcome to another episode of Coaching for Millennials. Happy post-4th of July, I think. <laughs> is, that a, is that a thing? Um, I hope everyone had a wonderful 4th of July as we celebrate it here in the United States. It is Independence Day and is the day that our country celebrates its birthday. Um, and also, I want to share, I'm... A little disappointed in myself because last week I did not bring you an episode. It was the first time in the year and three months that we've had the podcast where I haven't brought you an episode. And I will clarify that the reasons for that was I was traveling away. Um, I was actually visiting, well, not necessarily visiting. I was away in New York City watching my brothers and my sister-in-law's dogs while they were away celebrating my 16-year-old niece's 16th, well, my niece's 16th birthday. Um, she turned 16 on July 9th, so they took her on a little getaway with the kids, and I they asked me to house it and dox it. So my travel was really hectic, and unfortunately, the day that I normally would have recorded the podcast... Um, didn't happen. It was the day that I was traveling to come back home and then work just kind of took over and I had a couple other things that were business related and personal that I had to take care of. So therefore, I missed a week and I'm disappointed, but I think that sometimes we need a break um, to rejuvenate. And although I am actually going on vacation this week, um, I'm excited because I have an episode that is a good connector to this episode and a good segue to this episode that I'm going to post 
or I should say pre-schedule. So the episode will air at some point next week while I'm away on vacation. Um, I haven't decided yet which date to post it for scheduling. But um, it is an episode where I have a guest. And I'm really excited to have this guest on the show because her and I have been great friends for the past two years and we've grown. Um, I'm so glad to have her in my life when we've grown into creating our own podcasts and platforms. And this person has their own podcast as well. So super excited to have that episode air. More on that later and I will share the details with you when as soon as it happens. So on to today's episode, um, I want to talk about job searching. And I know a few weeks back, I did a mini impromptu episode on job searching, which I did it from my car and I don't think it was the best thing I should have done, but I didn't want to miss bringing you an episode. Um, And so I did what I thought was best and I kind of am calling this one Job Search 2.0, Job Search Strategies in a Post-COVID World, How to Create Strategies to Help You Look for a Job, and Utilizing LinkedIn as a Platform. So jumping right into this and keeping it brief too, you know, I'm looking at data, and I always use data to help me bring conversations and share things on the podcast, but... I don't even need to look at data to know what's happening in our job market right now. And what's really unique about our world today is that coming out of this pandemic, I think so many people, well, I don't think I know, so many people have had time, time which is what we got. We got back so much precious time being in a lock, quote unquote lockdown situation or a quarantine situation where people have had to reflect on their lives, their relationships, their careers, their future, their wants and their needs, putting themselves first, putting their families first. And, you know, one of the areas of expertise of mine is career. And with that comes job searching. And a lot of people I talk to have spoken about how much they don't want to go back to work because of how helpful it's been from them to working remotely at home. And I am one of those people who agrees with this totally. I think that the pandemic created an opportunity for the business world, the world of work, to create and fill a void when people were feeling a sense of overworked and exhaustion from work. We're the only country in the world or one of the only countries in the world where people work themselves to death. Not many people in our country live to live life. They work to live. And the unfortunate part is that it's happening more and more and more and it's not changing even with the patterns in the workforce What I do know that is changing is as boomers continue to retire, they're looking for ways to start perhaps because some people who have the ability to retire in their 50s and early 60s are living to say, well, shit, I don't want to retire. I want to look at another opportunity where I can make more money so that I'm more set up when I do decide to not work at all in the next 10 to 15 years. We're living longer as a society. So the workforce of the people who perhaps 
you would think would be retiring right now isn't quite retiring just yet. And at the same time, we're looking at millennials and Gen Zs who are in the workforce at the moment who are saying to themselves, I want to work remotely. I don't want to go back to an in-person, in-office experience full-time. I think the biggest thing that the world of work can do right now and companies and business can do is come up with a hybrid model that supports their employees in returning to the workplace in a very cohesive manner. People have been living in this work from home mode, WFH, for a year and a half. And there's so many businesses who are still not going back to working in an office until September, and we're in July. So I think what would be the best thing to do is for people who are staying with their current jobs and aren't looking to transition out of their current jobs is to make sure you bring this up to your human resources, make sure you bring this up to your um, direct leadership and seek guidance for ways that there can be strategies to support that. Now, moving on to those who have had the time to say, I don't want to do this job anymore. I'm really looking for a change. I really want to move into something different. I want to explore more options. I may want to start my own business. There's so many things that are questions that I think people have had time to ponder upon or ponder on. And this is what this episode is about, is the strategies you may want to think about to help you understand what your next move can be. At the same time, when you're trying to build something for yourself or you're trying to expand your job search, the best platform and tool is LinkedIn. So first, let me dive into a couple of things that I think are going to make you, well, not make you, but be helpful for you in developing an understanding of where you want to go. So if you're someone who's looking for a new job or looking for a career change, the first thing you should be thinking about and doing is identifying the type of job you're looking for. And this requires a level of self-awareness. And when I mean that, or when I say that, it's it's you taking um, an inventory of your skills and your values and your qualifications of what you actually bring to the table. Skills, values, and qualifications are critical in the job search process because this is how you create a checklist of you verifying if you qualify for a job or a position that you're looking to apply to. Now, what's really important as you start to do this inventory is that you want to keep track of the jobs that you're looking at because sometimes jobs have a tendency of getting posted and they get filled immediately because they may hire someone internally Or they get posted and they're looking for a unicorn and it takes forever for it to get filled. Either way, if you find a job that you think is really um, a good fit for you, you don't want to waste time. You want to actually jump on it and make sure that you prepare yourself for the process of submitting your application. Now, obviously, there's the critical pieces, which are the resume, the cover letter, and the application, as well as your references. And I have other episodes in the podcast that talk about that, that can help you in that process. The one thing I will say is that there is a slew of opportunities. 
And the thing that is really important in relationship to figuring out your next move is that you shouldn't feel like you have to take a job because you think that that job is going to fill a void from an opportunity that you may have not had or an opportunity that you're looking for. Sometimes you really want to take a step back and assess, okay, how much am I going to invest in this type of work? And do I really want this for myself? At the same time, a job versus a career is a big difference. If you need something to pay the bills, there's a lot of jobs out there that are going to help you in earning an income and get you to where you want to go and where you want to be. I cannot tell you how many places I've driven by or walked into and I see nothing but help wanted signs everywhere. And the thing that I would encourage people is don't be afraid of the hustle. I'm one of those people who, for the better part of most of my adult life since I've been working, while working on my career, and I'll explain this in a second, I've had a side hustle. And so, for example, while working a full-time job, I had a part-time job working at Target. And so even after I transitioned from working my job at Syracuse University as a talent acquisition manager, and I went to go work for SUNY Poly as a director of career services, I still stuck work, well, I still stayed, I should say, working at Target in the electronics department for an extra year and a half. I was there for three years before I said, okay, I'm not doing this anymore. And the only reason I left was because it wasn't fun anymore. A side hustle should be the job that You need the money for a purpose or a reason or because you want to do it because it's just fun. And I know some people are like, why would you want to work or do more work for fun? For me, originally, when I took on the job at Target, I had just um, moved back upstate and I knew that my student loans, and I'll preface this, I had finished grad school in 2014. I found the job in October after finishing grad school. I moved from downstate from Stony Brook to Syracuse. And if you know the geography of New York State, you know what I'm talking about. And I got the job at Syracuse University. I knew being someone who has student loan debt that I wanted to pay off my credit card debt. And I didn't want to have to use my salary for my full-time job to be that primary source to pay off that debt. And so... Working 15, 20 hours a week as a side hustle, like the Target job, allowed me to use that money that I was earning to pay off my credit cards and not have to feel like I was crunched for money. That way, when my student loans kicked in, I could still use some of that money to pay my credit cards and then the money from my salary for the actual um, student loan payment. Now... In this process, I got engaged. So then there's another expense, right? So life just keeps happening and moving while you still keep accumulating a form of debt. Now, today in 2021, yeah, I still have my student loan debt. I have some credit card debt, some, not a lot. I've got it under control and I've been paying it and affordable, right? But at the same time, you have to go into this process and this journey with the self-awareness of like, what is the intention? What are you looking for? Are you looking for something to help you figure out your next move and get you by? So something that pays the bills or are you committing to a career? So that is your assessment and inventory of your values, your skills, 
and your qualifications and thinking about the strategy to move you into the place of, is this going to be a job to pay the bills or is it going to be a career move? As you're thinking about this idea of what kind of a job you're looking to get or obtain, you really want to invest in diving deeper into your values. And the reason is because this is going to help you identify the type of role you're going to look for, but also it's going to help you get clearer in the type of role you don't want. So the most important thing is being able to commit and understand what are you willing to do? What are the things you're not willing to to do in the sense of work? So even if it's just a job to pay the bills to get you by until you figure things out, some people have a list of the things that they don't ever want to do. I remember in my early 20s, I was working full time and I had a side gig and I was waiting tables um, and bartending. And the things that I knew that I didn't want to do with going into that type of work was working in a kitchen. I had worked in kitchens before when I was a lot younger in my teenage years. And I'm like, yep, once and done kind of situation to want to go back to that. So even if it's a side hustle just to make the extra cash or if it's the the job to just get the bills paid, or even if it's the job that you're looking for making a career move, really being able to identify what are your non-negotiables. Um, the other thing I'll mention is that when you start working on your values, there should be kind of an outline that you can create for yourself to help you identify and get a clearer clear picture on your values. One thing you can do is go back to my episode that's called the career edit. Um, and this, I had actually had created an exercise for people that takes about 10 to 15 minutes that can help you utilize your values and strengths to be able to map out a career strategy. So the first step to this is thinking of a time when you were, when you had a, a moment or an experience where you were at your best. So oftentimes when we're looking and thinking about things that bring us joy or thinking about work, we typically want to do something that's fun. The saying is the saying always goes that if you're having fun, that it's never work. And you should live in that moment. I know that there's always things that we may not like about our jobs or the things that we do in work. However, it shouldn't be an experience where you hate what you do. So being able to think of a time in your life when you had an experience or a moment that when you were at your best. So what does your best mean? This is when you were in a moment of joy, gratitude, success, happiness, energized, or excited. So an experience that was basically memorable for you. What you need to do is then write this experience down and then explain why this experience is so important to you and why was it or has it been life-changing. Then what you need to think about is think of the values that you have and you have experienced to be able to connect them to work. And you want to write down these values so that you can get more comfortable in understanding, okay, when I'm looking at a job description, you're able to read the job description and skim through it, identify how the values that are embedded into that job and that responsibilities and what they're matching to yours. When you can create a short list for yourself of your values, you're able to then be able to be more connected to the work. So in the short list that I provided in the career edit um, clarity exercise, you're going to see uh, probably a pretty extensive list of values. 
Once you've done this, you want to be able to, to pick your, you know, top five of these values and be able to connect them and look at them from a perspective of, of what's most important and what's least important. This is what's going to make it clearer for you to know I'm not willing to commit to this. I'm not willing to do this versus I'm willing and able to do this. So being able to look at those things are going to be really important for you as you go into the next steps of this journey of, okay, how do I connect my values, my skills, and my qualifications to the work? So being able to go through and picking your top five and then identifying and ranking them in one being most important and five being the least important. You could do this for all the ones you list. However, you're probably going to want to make a short list of all the values you have. Um, and then once you kind of do this, you want to be able to put this on a piece of paper and being able to mark this up as notes as to where do they come into being the most important things in a day to day of what you see in doing work. Now, some people who are probably listening to this are probably saying, okay, how do I do this if I have no idea what to do at all whatsoever? Meaning I have no idea what I want to do for work. I don't even know how I can connect my um, values to work because I don't know what kind of work I want to do. And or I'm just completely lost and I have no sense of where to start. Don't worry, boo, I got you. So in this case, what needs to happen is you need to take a step back and you need to do an inventory of your values. <laughs> However, um, it's going to play an emphasis on your personality. So there's a couple of career inventories out there, career assessments that are super, super helpful in helping people get clarity as to what they should do based on their personalities and align, aligning it to their values as well as skills. So I already mentioned value, skills, and um, qualifications. When you're in that same place of getting tired of what I should do and I have no clue, that's going to be important because the assessments that you take are going to help you connect to understanding how are your values and skills that you have already existing connected to some work where you can actually do. So one of the common, most common assessments um, is called the Holland's assessment. And what this does is that it basically gives you probably about 20 to 40 questions to get a better sense of where you actually are in a holistic framework. And if you Google Holland's assessment, there's tons of free resources out there that you can use to really help you connect in identifying some career opportunities in fields as well as industries. With the Holland's, um, there's kind of like six different characteristics that show up for people. Um, there's realistic, there's investigative, there is artistic, there's conventional, there's enterprising, and I'm missing one and I always forget the last one. Um, anyway, when you take the assessment and you look at the different characteristics that show up, they're going to be in a three-letter code. So instead of getting all six, which you can see all six, you're going to only pay attention to three of the six characteristics. And everyone's are different. Not everybody's are the same. So this is specific to you. That Those three characteristics, the three letters of each of those characteristics, 
um, are going to help you connect to the different fields and industries that your values and your skills and interests are most aligned to. I will link um, a version of this assessment, the Holland's assessment, uh, to the show notes so that you can connect to that. So, you know, kind of leaning ahead, when someone is in this position of like not knowing what to do, I would highly encourage you connecting with someone who you can talk about what you have an interest in doing that can help volley with you and create a sense of a discussion that can help you get clear. And you want to take notes on this because this is going to help you go back to then spend time with yourself and being able to say, okay, where do I want to start and what do I want to pick? As always, I'm here for support to be able to provide you advice and be able to give you some guidance. So always reach out when you need that. Now, moving on from from looking at these inventories and thinking about your characteristics and values, how do you actually do the, the steps for the job search? So when we talk about where we are today with the pandemic, after you've kind of shifted from this place of self-awareness and understanding of your skills, experience, and values, you want to be able to be proactive in actually searching for opportunities. Now, we obviously know that there's tons of job boards out there. You have anything from Indeed to Monster to Hot Jobs to um, Google to LinkedIn. What I'm going to suggest you do is you start with LinkedIn and you then broaden your horizons to Indeed and Google. The reason you start with LinkedIn is because LinkedIn is obviously a larger networking platform that's going to connect you to different industries, to recruiters, to people in these fields, and you're going to start developing relationships. You know the saying that says, it's not about what you know, it's about who you know. This still stands the test of time. This is such a very true statement to how we network our ways to find employment. So with LinkedIn, it's not just about getting in there and creating a profile for people to find you, which is what a lot of people tend to do. However, you have to really roll up your sleeves a little bit to do the work to create and establish connections with people. So you need to be active on the platform so that your um, content or your information becomes visible. So speaking of content, you know, creating a profile is the first step. And so you want to kind of create a profile on LinkedIn that includes your photo. So even though in most cases, when we talk about professional network, when we talk about job searching, a photo can sometimes lead to discrimination. But when you're using a platform like LinkedIn, people don't want to talk to an empty profile. And so if you want someone to find you and connect with you, you want to have a profile. It's only going to make your you want to have a photo, it's only going to make your profile look more professional and clean. The next thing that's really important is using keywords in your headline, which is the space below your name, that's going to help you be seen and visible to those recruiters you want to have reach out to you for the work you're doing. A headline on your profile is probably, if not the most important piece of it. Um, And the reason is because that's the first thing someone sees after your name on your profile. So even if someone doesn't click to connect with you or to to actually see your profile, if they're just searching, 
that headline is how the keywords in the search field populate. So if I go into the search box on LinkedIn and I look for individuals in cybersecurity, um, it's going to obviously show me people who are in my first degree or second degree connections. More on that first degree, second degree later. But for the most part, you want to make sure that you understand how to create a headline that's eye-catching and one that includes some of your personal, uh, you know, personal personality or personable personality. So in the case of creating a LinkedIn headline, you may want to say something aspiring cybersecurity engineer um, and then just kind of list some characteristics or qualities after that that can help the person connect more to who you are and make them intrigued to wanting to connect with you. Um, if you're looking for more insight on that, I will share a couple more episodes coming up that will have more information. Trust me, LinkedIn is not going anywhere anytime soon as it relates to the podcast. So be aware of all the great content that's going to come um, our way, your way, I should say, with relationship to LinkedIn. So once you've kind of, you know, Build your profile. Remember, your profile is your personal brand. Um, this is where pro- professional and personal branding comes into play. And that brand is representing you as a person. So making sure your profile is complete to the best of your abilities is going to be super helpful. Now, the thing that's also important, and I mentioned the keywords a little bit, is that you're going to want to search for people in the field that you wanna work with to start establishing connections. While you're searching, you wanna make note to some of the consistencies that you see in people's profiles that are going to be the key words that you're gonna wanna use in your profile so that you can make your profile stand out and make it searchable. That's how it's going to grab people's attention and that's how it's going to help you be seen and be heard. Now, it's not just about having an eye-catching profile and having a great um, headline. You also need to be active, I would say, you know, three to four times a week where you actually either share some content or create an actual engaging post and or comment on people's profiles or people's posts so that you can start showing up in the LinkedIn algorithm and feed. That's going to be important, especially if you're looking to connect within a specific industry. You want to follow people who are the key um, innovators and key players or key stakeholders in the industry you're looking to develop a presence in, as well as with people who are recruiters for different companies you have an interest in. Follow the companies that you'd like to work for, check out their content, read their articles and blogs being able to create a sense of connection in a community that is growing all the time. And you don't want to be lost in the algorithm. You want to be seen in the algorithm. So that's why it's important to show up at least three to four times a week. Um, So we just mentioned the keywords. The other thing that's important too is that as you start to build your profile, you may want to share it in your um, communications. So what does that mean? LinkedIn gives you the ability to customize and tailor your LinkedIn algor- your LinkedIn URL 
And so you want to be able to edit this within your profile field and just add it to your email signature or any information that you use. If you have a blog or if you have a website, be sure to share your LinkedIn profile to connect with people. Um, so the things that are most important to connecting with people on LinkedIn, you always, 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 always want to send a personalized invitation. LinkedIn is probably one of the only platforms that you have the ability to send a personalized invitation to someone when you look to connect. Unlike uh, Facebook, where you see someone who you want to be friends with, and you just click add as friends, and then it's up to that person to accept or decline your request for friends. With LinkedIn, you send a personalized um, invitation to connect with somebody, and that's their ability to understand why are you interested in connecting with them. Perhaps you're asking them to share some information or you're reaching out to ask questions. That is the time to do so, um, and it's really easy to do. What you want to make sure is that when you find someone's profile, you actually open their profile preview page, and then you click request to connect that will open up a space or a window within your screen for you to write your personalized invitation to connect with this person if you click on add to connect from the uh, search page it's only it's going to automatically send the invitation and unfortunately um, within with linkedin you'll have to unconnect the invitation, but then you can't connect with that person again for a period of time. It's one of those features that LinkedIn doesn't want people getting spammed. And so what they do is that they limit people from connecting with the person more than once within a limited time period. So you want to make sure that you actually go through the steps of reviewing the person's profile completely and then being able to connect with them afterwards. Now, why connect with people? So everyone on LinkedIn is like an interweb, right? It's like a web of connections. Have you ever heard of the saying, um, six degrees of separation from Kevin Bacon? Um, LinkedIn is very much so that exact thing. Everybody has some way or some form of being connected to other people. So when you connect with someone on LinkedIn, you are, have the ability to connect with the person as a first degree or second degree. If there's people within that person's network that you have an interest with, to connect with, you have the ability to ask that person to actually um, introduce you to that person so that you can establish connect, a connection with them. Again, more on this detail and about these invitations to connect with second and third degree contacts in other episodes. But for the purpose of this episode with the job searching piece, you're going to want to reach out to the people who you show up for you to connect with as a first degree. And making people, connecting with people is going to be really important as you build your network. So when you talk about reaching out, just make sure, I can't, I can't stress how important it is, that you personalize your connection. Now, when we start to think about how can I start to job search, Right. So with LinkedIn, obviously, there's a jobs button. There's a jobs feature. That's what it's about is connecting with people, creating a professional presence, creating a network that's digital and being able to find opportunities beyond just the scope of creating these connections for professional development. So if you're talking about actually looking for a job, 
you want to use keywords. Again, keywords are everything when it comes to professional branding and job searching. You want to use keywords to identify the level of a job you're looking for. So is it entry level? Is it mid-career? Is it manager? Is it executive? Those are the things that are important in your keyword search, but also the type of role when it comes to um, the position or yeah, position type. So for example, someone who might be going into um, the accounting field, right? They might write entry-level accountant as their keyword um, when searching for a job. And then what it'll do is it'll show all the jobs that are entry-level accounting posted on LinkedIn. And then you can obviously filter down by location. You can filter down a little bit more by experience and other things. So you want to be able to see the listing of the opportunities, but then think about, okay, how can I connect with people who work at this company to learn more about this position? You want to obviously apply to the job while you're doing this, but doing the outreach is going to come kind of simultaneously. The reason is, is that you don't want to miss the opportunity to submit your application if a position is open and available for you to apply. Sometimes people can take you know, some time to get back to you depending on the frequency that they check their profiles or check their platform to be able to connect with others. So therefore, that's why it's important to not miss an opportunity that you can connect, well, that you can apply to the job and then try to establish that connection. So one way of doing that is then you apply and then you find the people who work there or a recruiter who works there and says, and then you say, hi, my name is so-and-so. I found your profile through LinkedIn while browsing the jobs page and I came across your profile. I'm interested in connecting with you because I love everything that your company does and would love to learn more about you and become a connection. Something, it's a one line simple, right? It doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be overthought. This is just the way of you being introduced to somebody. Now, if you'd feel weird about sending it from the perspective of a job, you can make it about the company and the organization and you can say how much you value the work they do and what they represent and what they mean. You know, it's all about you and being personable. You wanna make sure that you're showing up authentically and that the person who you're looking to connect with can actually connect with you in the same way. So that's really, really important. Um, the other thing that I'll mention about the LinkedIn job searching piece is that your profile is probably the thing that they're going to go back to when they start to think about you as a prospective applicant after you've applied. So you really want to make sure that in your profile that all of your experiences that are relevant to this job that you've applied to are matching the job description so that that person can see and then say, oh yeah, this person's a good fit, let me connect them to the recruiter or let me connect them to the hiring manager if that is the recruiter. So your profile, again, the most important thing of all. Now, um, I also mentioned Indeed. Now, with Indeed, the thing about Indeed is that similar to LinkedIn, however, it's not a networking platform, but with Indeed, it actually scrapes the jobs off of job boards from different businesses and organizations. And so sometimes there's a risk that if you apply through Indeed, that the company who ha who hosts or who's hiring for that job actually doesn't have the job posted on their website. 
So my rule of thumb that I always encourage people and what I tell people to do is to always, 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 when you find a job on Indeed, search for the company's website, see if they have a careers page, and make sure that the job is posted and accessible through that company's career page. The reason you want to do that is because you're going to be able to know if the job is still posted or if the job's closed. If you pay attention indeed, you're going to see that sometimes a job might be posted for a month or two months, in some cases even longer. And that's because the scraping tool that is used by indeed to track jobs hasn't updated so it hasn't scraped from that company's website in a while and sometimes it doesn't update automatically once a job has been filled or a job has been taken down for whatever reason it might be so that's very important to be aware of and very important to know in that process now the thing that makes indeed so popular and the probably if not the most uh, the, the biggest job search platform is that it has a huge, huge number of jobs because they get scraped from everywhere. So if you set up a profile on Indeed and you trigger a um, automatic search that is saved based on your preferences, you're going to get alerts and notifications every time a job is posted. So for, for example, if you're someone who, let's say during this pandemic, have realized I don't want to work in an actual organization anymore, I'd rather work from home remotely, one thing you can do in your job search is that now you can click a button that says remote or work from home in that platform. That's going to allow you and help you in just getting jobs sent to you from that job search alert that are specifically to just working from home. So that's really important in creating those preferences and checking off those alerts so that way you can get the information based on your keywords and based on your preferences delivered to you as you get to prepare to apply to these jobs. Now. In the search process, because we've been talking about how to prepare the search process a lot. In the search process, once you've got your short list of jobs, that job description is going to be your best friend. And if you listen to earlier episodes, I talk about how to read a job description and the importance of really spending the time going through it. I actually, when I look for jobs and I'm applying to jobs, I take the job description and I take a highlighter, a pen or a pencil, and I circle all the keywords in the job description and I highlight the things that I know that are most important to me about the job, but also the things that I know that I can do in the responsibilities. This is going to help you do a couple of things. Number one, weigh your intention and your connection to the job to determine, okay, do I know that my experience and qualifications have a heavy uh, connection to the job and can I perform all the duties that are being asked that's important because you don't want to waste your time applying to a job that you can't do 90% of the things I think a good rule of thumb is that if the job has I don't know let's say it's 20 bullets that are listed on there if you can do 15 of them and maybe you can't do all five of the responsibilities then maybe you should apply I always say apply to everything and see what happens. The worst that can happen is a no. But you're investing yourself in the job searching application process. 
And it's a timely process. This is the thing that a lot of people are confused about is that it's not something that is click the button and you can apply. You need to tailor your resume. You have to write a cover letter. And sometimes you have to really prepare yourself for what can come from the job search process. So investing your energy, investing your time is really important. Remember, you're the only one that can control your time. So, you know, taking that job description and writing it up and writing examples of how you can actually do the responsibilities that you know how to do, you want to make sure you do that too and writing it all over the place. Um, And then once you kind of determine what you want to do from there, you really want to keep track of all the jobs you apply. So if you apply to the job, note it in an Excel sheet when you applied and when you submitted your application. Reason is, is that if you don't hear back from that employer, you want to give it at least seven to 10 business days for them to respond back to you with a confirmation of either Yes, sometimes it's an automatic, we received your application, thank you for applying. Or it's from them following up with you about the job. So the follow-up sometimes is just as important as the application. Most employers, I would say, because there's such a huge influx of jobs right now, are trying to fill all the jobs as fast as they can. And so when it comes to reviewing applicants and following up, they may not have the bandwidth of people to be able to respond to everybody. So sometimes a position or a job can stay open for a significant period of time with no action or movement happening. Your follow-up is going to allow that person to see you in their applicant pool because you've now triggered an alert or triggered an email where they know your name and recognize your name. But it's also going to allow them to say, oh, how do I know this person's name? I probably should connect them with um, with the hiring manager and just making sure that your qualifications are a good fit. You always want to be able to, in your hiring documents or your job search documents, to make sure that your qualifications, your experiences, your skills um, are really aligned and matching the job. That's going to be super, super important. Now, after you've kind of followed up, you want to be able to consistently track that. So let's say you applied, today's like the 8th, right? You applied today, and then 10 days from now, business days, so like Monday through Friday, you follow up because you haven't heard anything back. You want to track that you followed up. If by, you know, three to four weeks, you haven't done anything to, or you haven't heard anything, I should say, you want to be give it a space and give it a pause so that way you can be able to let them get back to you when they're kind of overflowing with applicants. And if you don't hear back after a month and a half, you may want to A, nudge them or kind of say, okay, this isn't going to happen. I have seen and heard where jobs have taken four to five months to get filled, which is ridiculous. I know that sounds crazy in a long time. However, because of the way things are moving, because the world is returning back to work, um, sometimes it takes longer. I know that a lot of companies have the bandwidth to hire people quickly, but not everybody does. So patience is important, but the follow-up is just as important. Um, I'm trying to think of other things that are really important to share with you um, in this kind of job search 2.0 situation because I know that the next couple of episodes that I'm going to share with you 
are surrounding LinkedIn and surrounding the platform and ways to use it and how to connect with it. So I don't want to give you all the information and be so repetitive. I know sometimes the content overlaps, but I think it's really important to make sure I share as much as I can. If I jump back to LinkedIn for a hot second, the one other thing that I'll mention in addition to creating contacts are connections ways joining groups. So if you use Facebook, you're familiar with groups. Well, LinkedIn was probably the first platform to have groups. And groups is a great way to connect and create connections. So if you join groups, join groups that are specific to your industry and maybe even things of your interest and start becoming active in groups. LinkedIn has been notorious for creating, for having groups and allowing people to create strong sense of connection with individuals. So let's say, for example, you don't feel comfortable posting something that you want to share on your LinkedIn feed. Well, posting in a group in a smaller setting, depending on how large your network is, will allow you the ability to connect with people specifically for what your content is about, but also for you to be seen and heard and people who are part of these groups get alerts if they have them turned on when someone posts information on groups. It also helps you to create connections. So the groups sometimes are a more direct way of creating connections with people because obviously those who are active in the groups are going to want to establish some way of connecting with others. So that's... Um, the other thing I'll mention about that, um, yeah, I want to keep it short. And I know I've been rambling for like about 40 minutes now, but I want to be able to limit all the information so that I don't overwhelm you with stuff now. So that will conclude um, this kind of job search 2.0 situation as it relates to getting your your profile set up and really creating a sense of connection in addition to getting clarity in what to do. Um, the thing that I'll mention uh, to kind of close this out tonight today is that I would highly encourage you connecting with me so that we can have a conversation, whether it's via Instagram or LinkedIn or Facebook, whatever platform you feel most comfortable with. I'm happy to help you clarify and help you get clearer in what you want to do. Like I said before, I think that the fact that we are all kind of coming out of this pandemic now and everybody's slowly returning to work, some people are definitely feeling a certain way about their job. And if you're in a job that you're just really unhappy and don't see yourself doing, then it's time to make a change for that because there's nothing worse than spending so much time of your life and so much time of your your work doing something that doesn't really fulfill you and doesn't give you purpose or meaning. So let's connect. Let's have a conversation about it. I'm happy to coach you through the journey and happy to get you to where you want to be because clarity is so important in our lives and so important for work. Having said all that, I cannot wait for the next episode. I thank you so much for always listening and I hope you have an amazing day. Hey, Chit Chatter. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. If you found value in today's episode, be sure to share it with the world. We welcome everyone for listening. And if you'd like, please go on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. Those reviews mean everything to me and they help the show grow, as well as for me to know what topics you want to hear from next. 
be sure to go visit to coachingwithjoseandmiguel.com or Coaching for Millennials for more up-to-date content, newsletters, blogs, information about coaching for life and career. Thank you so much for being a part of our magical world and for being part of this program. I can't wait to the next episode.